let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello and thank you for joining. Today we are going to hear now what is next for identity and access management. And we have a guest who really does a lot of research and training and consultancy about specifically identity and access management. Our guest today is Simon Moffat. He is founder and analyst at the Cyber Hut, a leading boutique industry research, analysis, and advisory firm focused on identity, access, and cybersecurity technology. He has more than 20-year career experience within the identity and access management space, having worked for consultancies, startups, and global software vendors. He is a published author and contributor to identity standards as the likes of NIST and the IETF. He is also a fellow of the Charter Institute of Information Security. His long-running research is focused upon next-generation authorization and emerging authentication technologies, as well as having an interest in the history of code-breaking, signals intelligence, and cyber warfare operations. Hello, Simon. Hi, Oscar. How are we doing? It's uh, great to be here today. Pretty good. It's a pleasure talking with you, Simon. So definitely we want to hear what's coming in identity and access management. So yeah, let's get started. Let's talk about data identity. And first, we would like to hear a bit more about yourself, especially what was your journey to the world of identity? Yeah, thanks. It, it's such a, a fascinating area, identity. I've been fortunate to have been in it for just over 20 years, which um, is a, a little bit scary when I, I say that out loud. But I guess like any technology in any sort of technology trend, 20 years is an absolute lifetime. And there's been so many changes in, in actual products that are available, the standards, how technology is used. It seems an absolute world away. But I started my career so back in 2001, working in industry like like most people probably do when they when they start their careers, and I was I was working for a large insurance company in in the UK for three or four years, and I was essentially doing identity by hand. I was creating accounts on on RackF mainframe. I was you know setting up access control profiles and, and TSO IDs and job control language stuff, all this this crazy stuff on on the mainframe, and having to having to do this by hand. There was no sort of automation involved in, in account creation and, and managing permissions and things. And it was it was quite a, an eye-opening experience at the age of 20-odd, I guess, you know, starting my career, doing all of this, these processes by hand, which were time-consuming, really labor-intensive, really error-prone. And it was a really interesting um, sort of introduction to identity management, if you like. And, and then essentially from there, I spent a bit of time in consultancy, and then I ended up the vast majority of my career working for software vendors, making software to rid the world of all of those manual processes of, of having to set up accounts by hand and having to manage permissions and access management and single sign-on and authentication and all that stuff. And I really had a good, a good 14, 15 years building software in, in those landscapes around provisioning systems, governance and compliance, role-based access control, obviously more laterally on things like authentication and MFA and, and zero trust and some of the buzzy words, which have become more prolific. But it's just been quite an interesting journey to, to go from doing everything by hand mm -hmm. and doing it manually to sort of working on automating that stuff, really. And it's, it's just been good to see identity now become 
a really accepted part of of the enterprise landscape. I think you know, 20 years ago, for example, it was something which it wasn't particularly automated. It, it, it sat within IT operations and it was just something organizations had to do. Whereas I think today in 2022, identity is so pervasive and it's it powers the consumer identity lifecycle. It's integrating with IoT and privacy and and a whole host of other things around defense and cyber warfare and all all host of other different angles identity is now taking. So it's it's been a bit of a privilege to to have been in a sector for so long and, and, and seeing all those changes. Yeah, it's quite quite interesting what you say that doing identity access management by hand, right? It's hard to imagine today. It's a bit crazy if someone does still uh, by hand today. We have now, of course, the standards, we have the the software who does that. Yeah, interesting. And also, one of the last things you said is that it started with IT, right? You were an IT manager or IT specialist when you were doing this by hand. But today, actually, I think a lot of the identity access management is not done anymore by IT, correct? I think that's a really, yeah, a really good observation. I think when I started, it, it was definitely within the, the IT the infrastructure operations part of the business. And I think today, even in the B2E, you know, the employee identity infrastructure it's very separate it's very different there are, there are their own identity specialists identity architects identity leads maybe even chief identity officers perhaps in some organizations mm-hmm. but it certainly has its own domain and i think with that brings responsibilities that there are new and different metrics around what success looks like for identity and access management and then clearly then we have this whole brand new area or more recent area around things like consumer identity or maybe identity for devices too and, and that's i guess driven this need to have identity as a as a separate playing field really it doesn't just sit within it anymore exactly so now let's explore some of the research that you have been involved recently so tell us tell us about that what you discover yeah, I mean, so the, the side what we, we work on on looking at it, some of those emerging patterns that are happening in in the, the broader identity and access management space, and it's a pretty exciting space to be because there there's so many new emerging themes, standards, use cases, uh, vendors, solution providers, and, and there's so much happening in there. But there's a couple of interesting topics that we've been researching over the last sort of six to seven months or so. And one of them, we, we released a report last year looking at passwordless authentication. And I think it's an interesting topic because we all hate passwords as end users and as consumers and as uh, employees. But yet we use passwords every day, every day of our lives. We, we log into to all of our web services, websites, our employee directories, our laptops, everything is still dominated by passwords and shared secrets and this this age-old way of authenticating. It's been there since the mid-70s when you know computing started its commercial journey. And I think we've been desperately trying to move away from passwords ever since, the best part of 50 years, I guess. And we still haven't quite got there. And it's we, we started to look at this space and tried to look at you know, some of the vendors and some of the use cases and the technology that is now available and really trying to understand, are we really getting close now to, to being able to rid the infrastructure of passwords in its entirety? And it's it was a fascinating journey, really. And I think the technology is there today. I think, I think there are numerous different solutions, whether it's mm-hmm. based on sort of biometrics or perhaps standards like FIDO and, and WebAuthn that provide us with the, the tools and techniques to rid ourselves of passwords. But clearly, 
there's a whole host of of other factors involved, be it the sort of psychological acceptability, the security angles, the integration angles, and so on. So it was a fascinating journey. I think, I think we are getting closer to killing the password, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. we've all probably got stories of, of how we logged in today using the old way of doing it. Yeah, indeed, there are, well, we're hearing all the time, technology for getting rid of passwords. And yeah, hopefully in the near future, we would really be completely rid of passwords. Another topic I, I think you were exploring was uh, authorization, correct? Like next generation authorization. So tell us about that. Mm. Yeah, it's an authorization is a fascinating area. I think um, on the authentication side, many organizations that they do invest heavily in authentication technologies, login processes and biometrics. And it's interesting that authorization, you know, what, what what happens after the person has logged in often was a little bit neglected. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily an area which received lots of uh, investment from the enterprise, the number of startups involved, but wasn't particularly huge. It wasn't a particularly large market. Whereas I think move forward to 2022, the authorization has had a, a huge sort of reinvention, if you like, if that, that's not to bold the world, so certainly a, a pretty extended evolution. And the authorization aspect, you know, working out what access an individual has or even a device, what access a device could potentially have, it is now suddenly becoming vitally important, whether you are talking about the B2E space and employees and how they perhaps operate in a distributed working environment on the back of things like COVID and the pandemic, right through to, to the consumer angle where we're talking about privacy and, and, and data security there as well. But authorization has certainly had a huge reinvestment, if you like, or a reinvention of the last sort of 36 months. There are numerous different startups involved in here, lots of interesting VC funding. And we're really starting to see this emergence of external authorization platforms and looking at things like adaptive access contextual access control and things like zero trust and, and identity centric security is, I guess, driving the need to have a strong authorization platform where you're handling permissions across on-premises systems, cloud systems, APIs, microservices. There's a whole host of, of different assets that need to be protected. And organizations are now figuring out that actually if they get authorization right, it allows them as a business to be more agile, allows them to increase the speed that they can deliver applications and services. And clearly, speed and agility are huge, uh, hugely important for, for most businesses so they can essentially get to value and get to their customer base as, as quick as possible. So I think authorization yeah, has suddenly become, become vitally important. There's some interesting emerging patterns there around you know, how you protect microservices, leveraging API protection, mm-hmm. clearly have things like OAuth 2 and OpenID Connect, which have been around for, for quite a while in, in protecting APIs. But there's certainly interest in, in extending that and looking at things like contextual access and more dynamic and adaptive ways of giving access to, to different assets. And I think that, that in itself is, is suddenly becoming very topical and, and, and very important, I think, for many CISOs and CIOs. Yeah, indeed. And when authorization is is not a it's not a word that you hear so much, let's say in, in marketing at least. And you, so you don't see them so much mentioned. You don't see so much on the website. But for instance, you mentioned contextual access. What was it you mentioned? Just mm. what is that concept, for instance? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, many many people they, they don't think of authorization as, as an object. They think of the business problem, which is how do I get my staff or customers 
to complete a transaction or gain access to the things that they need to do their job or maybe perform a, a transaction online. So the authorization aspect, certainly from a contextual authorization perspective, is is not just looking at the people involved, the identities involved and the resources that they want to access, but it's also starting to look at other data signals as well. So other pieces of information that could be leveraged to help make an authorization decision. So we're talking about things like the device characteristics, you know, mm-hmm. the laptop and the mobile phone. Is there anything from those devices that can be leveraged in that authorization decision, things like device versions, operating system versions. Does the device have antivirus installed, for example, or what type of locking mechanism does the mobile device have or what potential apps have been installed on the device? And all of these little small pieces of context and signaling essentially help the authorization decision process become a lot richer, a lot more informed, and it allows that process to be more personalized and more tailored. And I think this context aspect is now starting to pull in information from the devices, but also things like the environment, things like breach credentials, threat intelligence systems, anything really which can amplify the the risk analysis process. I think if you can pull in more of that context during the authorization decision, the authorization output can be much more fine-grained as well. And I think we're certainly starting to move away from this very black and white allow and deny mm-hmm. sort of model which we've had for, for a number of years where if something is slightly erroneous or looks slightly risky, there's a big black deny comes down, a big four or three or a, a big interruption into the user journey. Whereas I think actually what we're starting to see now is much more subtle degradation of the service. Mm-hmm. You may be allowed access, but some of the service may be removed or perhaps you're allowed mm-hmm. access but it's only read-only, or perhaps you are allowed access, but perhaps certain fields of the database have been removed, or certain attributes in a payload have been removed because perhaps you're on a, a public Wi-Fi and that has a high level of risk or something something similar. So I think we're certainly starting to see this leveraging more information during the authorization decision, and then the output of that decision is much more fine-grained and much more personalized, I think. It's just moving away from blocking access entirely to allowing access mm. but and it's just having that but in there and, and allowing more personalized experience i think is it helps the end users and i think it, it helps the the security posture as well i think yeah i can i can visualizing what you're playing definitely also reduces friction no? because you, you get logged in with some level of authorization and of course based on the algorithms or the system it might lead you to a closer level of authorization that you should have. Maybe it's not the perfect, but you are logged in, you have some level of authorization and you can do at least part of your job and hopefully you don't need to contact the <laughs> the IT or whoever is administering that. Yeah, exactly. That. And that's an interesting point as well. It's, it's allowing people to continue on their journey. And I think that's that's become really important. I think in both the employee space, where in honesty, a lot of people now are working from home, even though the, the pandemic is, is easing. So you're doing things remotely, you're doing things away from a central office. So it's, it isn't easy, is it, to go and, go and speak to the IT help desk, for, for example, and certainly in the consumer space as well. Last thing the consumer or the customer wants to do is have their journey interrupted and they have to go and ring the help desk of their bank or their insurance company or their you know telephone company or whatever. So I think it's allowing journeys to continue, mm-hmm. but 
applying the necessary friction at the correct time under the correct risk conditions. I think that that is certainly a winning combination, in my opinion. Indeed. And what trends are you seeing emerge in identity asset management? I think the numerous actually. I think there's the fact that we have you know wonderful podcasts like this and lots of work and research everybody's doing in the community just amplifies that identity is now so pervasive. I think it is now the tentacles of identity are now being sort of placed into huge parts of the enterprise, be it data security, endpoint protection, privacy, consumer identity, employee identity. There's a whole host of research around identity for IoT and identity for devices. Now, I was at a conference this week in Paris, actually a defense conference, and there's a whole host of discussions there around leveraging identity and access management and trust and assurance within the sort of space and defense sectors as well. So that's under the whole host of research topics to think about. And, you know, we talk about ourselves as, as consumers. And when we think of consumer and identity and consumer interactions, we're talking about usability. We're talking about privacy by design. And these are quite new concepts, really, if you think about identity and security. They never really occurred to most vendors or certainly most systems to think about the usability and the privacy enablement. It was a case of get the system working. And yes, we may think of, of security afterwards, but certainly now things like privacy enablement and privacy by design are, are vitally important and, and identity is a huge part of how that would operate. Yeah, definitely. It seems super interesting that now it's, yeah, concepts like that are already on their agenda, on their minds of uh, many decision makers. It's fabulous. And seeing a bit more towards the future, let's say in the next five years, for instance, how do you see now the identity and access management landscape evolving? Oh, it's, it's a great question, isn't it? And it's, it's an analyst. It's, um, you get asked this sort of stuff quite a lot around what does the future look like and, and you know, which technologies or standards are going to die off and which ones are going to survive and become real. And I think it's always quite difficult to predict. And I think there are certainly some interesting meta trends. I think certainly identity is now hugely important to both the security architecture of the modern enterprise, but also things like usability, privacy, business agility, and then all of the enabling technologies that allow businesses to grow and compete and be agile and do all the things which allow them to be successful. I think that is quite a subtly different way of looking at identity and identity-based security, whereas maybe three or four years ago, it was always you know, leveraging technology to be restrictive and, and preventing bad things happening and, and stopping the bad guys from doing so. I think we're definitely moving towards identity as an enabler mm. for business growth. And, and with that, there's a whole host of technology areas, I guess, things like decentralized everything, you know, decentralized internet, decentralized identity and, and distributed identities. And, and I guess empowering the end user to have more control essentially over their identity data, be it things like wallets and ownership of, of how they share our identity data with, with governments and third-party services. And we're certainly starting to see this emergence around decentralized identity perhaps as, as maybe the next wave of handling identity information. But, but there's certainly other, other interesting areas. I mean, do we need things like chief identity officers in the organization? An interesting conversation I had a few weeks ago about that. You know, Do we need to have a C-level executive who, who looks after identity? Maybe in three or four years, we may see that um, happening as well. Is there any now? Or is, is there any? 
I'm not aware of any who have that particular label. I think certainly some of the larger enterprises, there are certainly executives who are leading the charge for identity, you know, really looking to transform how identity is is measured, how it's reported into either the CISO or the CIO. I'm not sure they have the title Chief yeah. Identity Officer, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how that emerges over the next few years, though. Yeah, there might be a, a top executive with kind of similar, very high profile role in leading identity, especially, as you said, in large organizations, but maybe not the CIO, as you said. Yeah, we already have one of those. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> and what are the main challenges that need to be solved in this next, let's say, five years on, in the relatively midterm? I think there are some interesting, I guess, obstacles which are starting to emerge. I think the, the pandemic has accelerated lots of different things, technology trends, investment trends, and there are certainly some meta characteristics that have come out of that process. You know, businesses want to be more agile. They want to be more responsive to to change, external change from the competition or threats such as COVID-19 and other things. So they need to be agile. And, and what does that mean? Well, they're going to be driving towards agile methodologies, maybe containerization, APIs, microservices, outsourcing everything to cloud systems and subscription-based systems. And that all brings a whole magnitude of challenges for, from an identity perspective. I mean, having visibility of your identity infrastructure across hybrid cloud, containers, legacy systems, on-premises systems, and so on. And I think that being able to identify threat across that identity landscape is becoming more of an issue because essentially the identity infrastructure is becoming more complex. So you know, how do you handle permissions across a multitude of different systems? How do you embed identity into IoT devices and in privacy enablement systems? It's hard to do that unless you have that visibility across that quite complex landscape. So I think there's lots to do, but I think equally there's some good opportunities now. I think identity is is well known. It's, it's seen now as a really important part of many enterprises' digital journey. So I think there's, there is work to do. There are challenges ahead, but I think there are the right people, the personnel, the training and standards available to make identity a vital part of, of every organization over the next sort of three to five years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we expect that. Uh that will happen. It's, it looks like it's going in the right direction, as, as you said. I think so. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm positive. <laughs> Simon, we're almost leading to the end of this interview. I'd like to ask you one final question for all business leaders that are listening to us now. What is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today? Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, can, can I only have one? I could probably give about <laughs> 10, I guess, which probably just, it doesn't, doesn't help people, does it? I think it's just being aware of identity. I think many organizations, certainly, clearly the large organizations probably have identity projects running and, and technology in place. But even if you're that, that smaller organization, maybe a mid-sized enterprise, looking, thinking about things like, I don't know, data security or endpoint security or, or privacy controls, it's thinking that identity really is the foundation for those aspects and and just thinking like that think thinking about the identity concept looking at identifying your identity assets within the organization be that people permissioning systems perhaps where you may 
identify context and, and how you can respond to contextual changes. But I think just having an understanding of what your identity landscape looks like, I think is a good starting point, you know, where your authoritative sources of direct information are, uh, which piece of context you may need to use, which assets do you want to protect? And I think that's that seems quite simple, but I think it's actually, it's quite important because I think a lot of organizations start with a, a technology first mindset where actually they may want to start with really identifying mm-hmm. their identity landscape and then working out the problems with that identity landscape before they sort of look at technology selection. So I think like anything, just understand your landscape first and that's a really good, a good starting point. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great takeaway. Yeah, thank you for this super interesting conversation. I definitely enjoy hearing your your passion about identity. I can feel it all the time when you when you talk and you are absolutely know a lot about this field and, and you are researching. So it's thank you for sharing all this. Uh, finally, for our listeners who would like to um, get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing, what are the best ways? Yeah, of course. It's great to be here. I, I am passionate. It's certainly it's an exciting area to be in. And and I guess the best place, I'm pretty active on, on social media. So reach out on, on LinkedIn or on, on Twitter or go direct to the, the CyberHut website at thecyberhut.com. We're, we're more than happy to reach out and then respond to any questions, comments, or just, just interesting conversations people want to have around identity. We're, we're always open to those. Excellent. Again, thanks a lot, Simon, and all the best. Thank you, Oxia. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at UbiSecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time, 